Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's cover two time. Warren is here, and we're ready to talk about 49ers. Of course, 49ers versus Bears a little bit. We haven't got to get Warren's feelings on how that game went. Then, of course, we're going to cross over during this episode into 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks. I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. Um, disappointing Sunday, man. Disappointing Sunday, but yeah, I'm ready to dive into it. Yeah, I'm ready to get into it too. Uh, so let's let's start with this, Warren. What stood out to you? about the game versus the Bears, other than the fact that there was uh, inclement weather, that it was yeah. an absolute torrential downpour at certain times in the game. Uh, what did you think about the game? What stood out? Um, Good and bad. Uh, to me, the, the good was uh, Hufunga. Uh, I mean, he, he had some crucial plays where, I mean, he did have some mistakes that he made during the game, um, but he also flashed. He flashed quite a few times during the game, and, um, I watched a ton of football on Sunday, and he was one of the he was one of the best defensive players I've seen on the field all all day. Um, he had some major mistakes, but I really like what I've seen from the rookie. Um, I didn't know what to expect to be honest, especially with um, with Jimmy Ward being out, and uh, we have Hufunga filling in for for Tart, who we had last year. But the plays he was making over the uh, all over the field in the backfield, he seemed fast and um, he, like he really just felt he felt like. He looked like he was at USC, to be honest. He looked just like he was at USC. So, to me, that was that was the good that that I seen from um from the game. One of the only few few things that I seen. But um, the bad was just the tale of two different halves. You know, like the first half. That's what I expected out of the Niners. I felt like we dominated the first half. You know, um, everything I seen out of us from defensively, offensively, we were moving the ball. Conditions wasn't as bad as they were in the second half. So what I seen in the first half is that's what I expected. Um, in the second half, it was just, it was just the tell two halves. Like I don't know what happened. Um, the weather got worse. Yeah. Um, 
sloppy, sloppy play for, you know, for all the penalties and stuff like that. And some of the penalties was warranted. Some of them we were just like, man, the ref got to swallow his whistle on that one. Um, like but, the Brandon Ayuk push off. Oh, <laughs> and the, the way the penalties was called, it's like every time we had a penalty, you know, it was killing momentum. You know, like it seemed like, okay, we're getting momentum. We're going to take control of the game again. And then we had another penalty and it was set us back and we just couldn't get over the hump. So for me, um, it was just the tale of two halves and uh, Talanoga Hufunga. To me, that was that was the one bright spot I could take out of this game. Yeah, you know, and Hufonga, I'm going to get in a little bit to Hufonga because people have heard me talk about this game all week. Uh, I'm glad you got to talk a little bit about it. And I did think that uh, the 49ers actually played better than, you know, overall the score ends up indicating. Uh, it was There was a few things that were lack of execution, but you're right. The turnovers and penalties end up being, you know, the kind of the end all of, of what happens because it ends up being broken plays. And that's the, really the reason Chicago ends up winning this game. And then we look up in the fourth quarter, and Justin Fields has like, like 29 yards passing. Uh, the 49ers defense yeah. was dominant minus the penalties, and they were crucial. Uh, Hufonga was flashing in the first half. And, of course, Darryl Moose Johnston was on commentary, and he was letting everyone know. You know and they were definitely pushing Hufonga. To me, Hufonga had moments where he looked you know, like he was a Troy Polamalu Absolutely. kind of player. The way he was you know, acting around the box and being able to help in run fits. The interception when he's in the robber. I thought those were great plays from him, but you're right. There's two plays that hang over his head and both of them equal touchdowns. That's the one, the touchdown to St. Brown on the, the post play where he acts like he's blocking and he works up Hufonga gets caught with his eyes in the backfield and doesn't handle his deep middle uh, responsibilities. And then also on the uh, Dante Pettis touchdown, he goes across with a crosser with Dre Greenlaw. Dre Greenlaw ends up catching the heat for both plays because right. Hufonga was flashing earlier, but it wasn't Dre Greenlaw's fault. Greenlaw made enough mistakes, you know, as far as like the the face mask. Uh, that was a big mistake in this football game. But uh, Hufanga looked good around the box, and I think it continues the conversation of the same things that we've talked about with Hufanga since he got drafted. Was he's going to operate really good in the box? He's going to be a good tackler. He's going to help against the screen game. But we still have question marks about how he handles coverage. We'll see if that gets fixed. Maybe it's an anomaly, uh, and he just caught up, got caught up chasing a Justin Fields. That can definitely happen, but I thought the flash plays were nice. Now I need the consistency and coverage. Right, and like like we talked about on the previous show, getting ready for the game, um, when you play a Justin Fields, that's you can't let him get you can't let him play Sandlot football. Yeah, and that's what he ended up doing. He was when he's playing Sandlot football, he's most comfortable. And in the second half, he was able to get out of the pocket, buy some time, and it's always as a fan watching the game, you're just you're just like. You're just like, you hate those moments because he'll buy it just enough time and you know somebody's just wide open downfield. And that's exactly what happened. And out of all players, it had to be Dante Pettis. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I have no problems with Dante Pettis. I actually really liked him. Uh, so it it doesn't bother me a whole lot. Did I want him to score against the 49ers? Absolutely. The right. one that it probably really smoked was uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Shanahan's probably like, dude, you didn't even run a good route. Right. You did nothing. Uh, you were just standing there. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's one of the most frustrating things, but you're right. You know, those are those BS plays that yeah. you can't allow happen. But that's one of the things that works when you don't score when you're supposed to. When you don't make the plays you're supposed to, when you don't play consistently, then what happens is you keep, keep the game close, and then those kind of plays can hurt you. you know, and then you're one turnover away from them taking the lead. And that's exactly what happened in this game. And that was why it was a little bit frustrating. One thing that's came out of this though was Tashawn Gibson played really well according to PFF he scored an 80 and then now the 49ers have moved him 
through the active roster. Elijah Mitchell, of course, goes on IR. We'll get to the running back room later. But Gibson comes up, and it looks like Gibson's going to be the guy playing next to Talano Hufanga for the remainder of the time Jimmy Ward's out. How did you feel Gibson played? And do you think that this is you feel comfortable with him moving forward? I, I feel very comfortable with Gibson. Um, as a whole, I feel like the defense played well. I mean, besides the the sandlot plays, the the scramble drill plays, um, where you can't really you can't really predict predict what's going to happen. Um, besides all that, I felt like the, the the defense was sound on all levels. Um, I mean, like I said, you have the, the the big breaks where you know he gets out of pocket and he just throws it up in the air, and there's a guy wide open. Um, broken assignments, stuff like that. I mean, that's going to happen when the play's extended and all eyes are in backfield trying to get to the quarterback. Yeah. So, um, honestly, with Gibson, I feel super comfortable. Um, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I, I mean, of course, I want Jimmy Ward back there. I mean, us Niner fans, we <laughs> yeah. all do. Me too, but, yeah. But, um, I mean, against Seattle, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tough test. I mean, going up against what, you, what they have at receiver. But uh, from what he showed on Sunday, I'm pretty confident in what he can do. Yeah, I, I felt pretty good about Tayshawn Gibson. You know, I mean, early I was a little bit critical of him not catching the interception, but it's always one of those things where I've talked about consistency. As long as consistently you put yourself in the right situations like that, I mean, he drove on that ball, he ran that route for the receiver and gave himself an opportunity to make an interception. You can continually do that. More time than not, you're going to make that interception. So right. did he miss one? Yeah. Would it have been big in the game? Sure. Uh, but when it comes down to it, at least he was in the right spot and he made a play on the football. Absolutely. Maybe the, the next time that happens, he's going to get an interception. So overall, I thought Gibson played well. I think he helped in run fits as well. And if you watch the Madden simulation, he had some huge plays in that. So obviously he's going to have huge plays against Seattle, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Gibson was Madden overall a, a bright uh, spot for the 49ers. The safety play overall was a bright spot, especially in and around the box. And Gibson understanding concepts of offensive concepts is going to be beneficial to this team and a veteran you know, leadership and helper to Talano Ufonga in that category. Now, Absolutely. we got to talk about the run game because Elijah Mitchell's out. He's going to be out for eight weeks at least. And Kyle Shannon said it could be eight to ten weeks. So the 49ers are playing some games with that running back room. Now let's talk about the running backs they already have. They have, of course, Jeff Wilson Jr., who went nine for 22, which nobody was happy about. But then you had you have Jordan Mason, you have TDP. TDP didn't dress for the first game. Jordan Mason beat him out because of special teams. It looks like both of those guys are going to get an opportunity in this football game. How do you feel about this run game without Elijah Mitchell as running back one? Um, personally, I'm worried about it. Um, from what I see with Jeff Wilson, um, he didn't look like the same guy he has in years past. So, uh, pretty, like moving forward throughout the season. I mean, eight weeks without Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell was looking, man, he was looking good. You know, yeah. he was the I was I was loving what I was seeing out of him, and we didn't see him all preseason. So I know you had got to see yeah. him in camp. So and you spoke glowingly about him. Yeah. So to see him against the Bears, I was just like, okay, I like how Mitchell's looking. And then for him to go down, it it's a it's a blow. Um, I think they're going to have to continue using Debo. They're going to have to continue using Debo in the running game because. His vision and his speed is just something that we don't have in the backfield with any of the running backs. Agreed. So um, I think that's definitely something that we're going to have to do a lot going forward. Jeff Wilson Jr., I hope he could come into form. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, maybe it was the weather. Who knows? We'll see against Seattle how he looks. Um, I expect him. he should be the lead back in this game. Um, 
And then uh, Jordan Mason, I would love to see. Some, I would love to see some of Jordan Mason. Let's see what he can do. Because I mean, in the preseason, the guy was tearing it up. He ran hard, physical, decisive. Um, I would love to see if that translates to to real ball when he's playing against ones versus ones. And then uh, Price, he's gonna be active, so he's getting called up. Let's see what the, let's see what the rookie can do. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous about it without without Mitchell. To be honest, how you feeling? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of the same situations you dealt with last year. Uh, when Raheem Mostert went down, you you thought you were going to lose that speed element, but Elijah Mitchell was fast enough right. to be able to hit the holes. Now, he's even more explosive this year. He was easily going to topple 100 yards in this game, there was no doubt. And the 49ers probably would have won with Elijah Mitchell in there to help control everything that happens because the difference between him and Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, is, is big because of the speed factor. Uh, when you get to the second level, Elijah Mitchell's already passed those linebackers before they get there. Jeff Wilson Jr. is getting there at the same time. That's the amount of explosiveness that Elijah Mitchell has. There's only one running back on this team that has that kind of explosiveness besides Elijah Mitchell. And his name is Debo Samuel. And he's exactly. a wide back. He's not even a real running back. Uh, but the explosive nature of Debo, he's going to be asked to do some of those things. You're just going to have to count on him. And I think when it comes to the other guys right now, you're going to want to get them out there. But they're vo more volume guys at this point in their career. I think when you look at the way Kyle Shannon has talked about the running back room as well, He's talked about those two guys need to learn how to play running back without the football in their hand. Right. That is big. Uh, and they asked him in the presser, like, what does that entail? And he said, it's pass blocking. It's knowing where to line up. It's knowing what your responsibilities are. If you don't know those things, that makes it difficult. And he even said it's harder because Debo is a part of the offense. So figuring those things out is difficult for them. They're going to have to keep working it out. But I think there are question marks about the running back room. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to do okay because I don't know how many people have got to watch the goal line stand that you know, ends up turning into a field goal for the first drive of the second half. But play one in, in first and goal, Aaron Banks misses a block. If he makes the block, Jeff Wilson Jr. walks in for a touchdown. The second play, there's another missed block, this time by Jawan Jennings. If Jawan Jennings makes that block, he walks in for a touchdown. So those were the kind of things that Jeff Wilson Jr. is having to deal with. Jeff Wilson Jr. doesn't have the elusiveness that Elijah Mitchell does to make those plays. <laughs> so I'm hoping that these guys are going to execute those blocks. If they do, Jeff Wilson Jr. will be able to get the yards necessary. Is he ever going to do the things that Elijah Mitchell did? No. The only one that could do that is Debo Samuel, which is crazy because he's a freaking receiver. Right. Um, but right. the 49ers did add to their run game. They added a guy by the name of Marlon Mack, used to be with the Indianapolis Colts, in fact, it's weird because the 49ers actually traded the pick to Indianapolis. The Indianapolis used on Marlon Mack when they went up to get Joe Williams way back when Kyle Shanahan wanted to get Joe Williams out of Utah. So interesting that the, <laughs> the fact that that works out. Mack was with the Houston Texans. He played against the Niners this year, of course, during that preseason game. What did you think about the signing of Marlon Mack? And when do you think Marlon Mack makes an impact or does he make an impact on this 49ers run game? Uh, I love Marlon Mack. I've always loved Marlon Mack's game. Marlon Mack is a he's a physical running back, but he's had he has the speed, he has breakaway speed to take it to the house as well. Um, ever since I've watched him, he's always been productive. And when I he was hurt last year, I believe he was out for this season. Twenty right? twenty, he had to tore his Achilles. And yeah. last year he was on, I believe he was in and off rock or he was on Houston, correct? He was on Indianapolis. Indianapolis, uh, but he okay. didn't get a lot of spin. I mean, when you have right. Jonathan Taylor, you're just not gonna get that many carries. Right. So when uh, it was surprising to see him like kind of not on a roster, on a roster, you know, and then when he got cut, I was just like, Man, this guy is uh he's uber talented. I love him. I would love to have him on the team. Um 
honestly, I think the way Shanahan uses our running backs, he's going to get an opportunity at some point. Um, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that nobody else gets hurt in the backfield because, I mean, it seems like we go through this every year at running back. We always, guys, next man up, next man up. Um, so I think, I mean, with him being with the Niners, he's going to get a he's going to get an opportunity at some point. Like I said, I hope it's not due to injury. Um, but I love the guy. I would love to see him, you know, in Shanahan's offense and see what he can do. But um, well, time will tell. We'll see what we'll see what will happen. Yeah, I mean, he's a natural fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense. It was in 2021 uh, that I was clamoring for the 49ers to trade for him when they had all the injury concerns. Fits perfectly with what Kyle wants to do. He's a he can be explosive as long as he's back from the Achilles. Will he ever be that speed again? Maybe not, but he still has enough. Right. I've seen it on film. I've seen the burst. Uh, and then when he became a free agent, when we talked about free agents, that was the guy I said the four years need to sign in the running back room. They did not, but now they finally have. And Marlon Mack is a guy that I'm sure they're happy to have. Question marks around him is how quickly is he going to be able to pick up this offense and then go ahead and help the 49ers? I think you would like to have another veteran available. That way you could decide between TDP and Jordan Mason, which guy once again helps with special teams. And Matt can be there in case something happens to Jeff Wilson Jr. Because Absolutely. if it does, you need a guy that can help in pass protection, that understands where he's supposed to be. And this guy has legit skills, a thousand yard running back in this league. Uh, it's not an easy task. And so this is a guy that I was very excited to see them get. I think he's a nice addition. I hope he ends up helping the football team. I know a lot of people are saying, hey, run the young rookie, spin with the young guys. But if they're not ready in the in the times that they're not with having the football in their hands, you can't have them out there. They're a liability. So getting a veteran that can already do it is very important. Absolutely, and I'm I'm excited to see him. Um, another X factor for the run game that I should have brought up on on the last topic was Trey Lance. Yeah. Trey, Trey Lance. He he had I don't know I don't know how many carries he ended up with 13. against Chicago. Thirteen carries against Chicago. Which to me is a lot of carries for your quarterback. Well, scrambles. <laughs> part of it's because of scrambling. Correct, correct. Um, so he's definitely going to be a part of the running game that I'm sure Shanahan's going to implement somehow, some way. Um, but he's he's just another player that you're going to have to watch out for in the running game. I don't I don't want to see him use be used too much in the running game just because. I mean, we have Jimmy G. We have the best backup in the league. So, I mean, I guess it would be okay if he does get hurt. But I I want to see the kid healthy. I want to see him play this full season. Um, but he's definitely going to be a threat in a running game that teams are going to have to look out for. Yeah, I mean, he he ends up you know having a, a pretty pretty nice numbers, of course. Uh, he converted in six of the eight third down conversions yeah. were converted by him by using his legs. So is he important for this offense? Yeah, he's as important to the run game, running the ball with his legs, as he is just making them think he's going to run the football. Absolutely. There's going to be games he's not asked to do. And I think that, you know, it's just going to freeze guys. This week in general... And let's go ahead and transition. This is a nice transition. The Seattle Seahawks play a very aggressive style on defense. Those edge rushers, those <clears throat> linebackers come downhill really fast, and that's going to make it difficult for them when they have to read Trey Lance. Is he going to keep the ball? Is he going to let it go? Trey Lance's ability to run is going to freeze those guys. If they do flash down the line of scrimmage, it's going to allow them allow Trey Lance to get around the outside. So I think he's going to do big-time benefits for this run game for the 49ers, but what do you think about this matchup, Warren? The Seahawks get the big win against the Denver Broncos. They slay Russell Wilson. They start 1-0, and they're leading the division. What do you think about this 49ers-Seahawks game? As long as they don't have Russell Wilson, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. Man, he's the thorn in our side. So um, I feel good. Um, to me, I always worry when we have to play in Seattle because they just feed off the crowd. And you just play – when you play Seattle in Seattle, there's just a different football team up there. No matter – 
no matter what kind of talent they have in the roster, they just when you get that crowd behind you, the the twelve man is just man who wouldn't play with their hair on fire yeah, in that stadium. That's true. So, um, but they get they're they're coming to San Francisco. We're we're back at home. Um, it's our home opener. I, I know the guys will be they'll be pumped. Um, I'm not too worried. Uh, Geno Smith he did play well last week. I was actually um, I <laughs> I I was I was kind of impressed with what what I seen out of him. You know, yeah. especially for given his situation. Um, his, being his first start, I believe in like it was like six or seven years or something like that. Yeah, he started a little bit last year, and Russ had the the hand problem. Right, he, he had some games. Oh yeah, if you remember right, last year he started out strong too, and then he faded into uh, nothingness. Uh, right. Once teams figured out how to play him, now one reason he looked good early in this game is the Denver Broncos were willing to bring five guys up, absolutely load up the box and stop the run game, and then just play a two deep zone underneath and make him try to defeat them. And he did okay in the first half. In the second half, when they started disguising coverages, bringing blitzes and somewhat confusing him, dropping off linebackers, he was a little bit, you know, more hesitant. <laughs> he didn't get things done. And that's the reason they don't score in the second half. Right. So second half adjustments were huge for the Denver Broncos. I think that also signals to the 49ers and D'Amico Ryan's like, hey, this is how you need to attack him. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if Geno Smith can hold up against this 49ers pass rush. Now, their offensive line actually did better than I anticipated. Uh, so that's good news for the Seahawks. But if they if they don't have the time, uh, Gino is going to be in some uh, some really precarious situations. Oh, I think you will, and I think the guys are they're excited to get back at it. They want to they want to redeem from what last week, and they know they were supposed to win. We were we were supposed to lose to Chicago, so I definitely think they're going to get after Gino. Uh, Seattle's going to look like a different team. We're going to look like look like a different team, um, and I think we're going to take care of business. One thing I am going to be interested to see is Kenneth Walker. Um, I believe he's going to uh, he's going to play. He's going to be. I don't know if he's going to be the the one running back for for Seattle, but um, he's slated to 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 get some run this week. So I'm kind of interested to see how he does because uh, they've had issues in the running back field for a few years now, especially with uh, can't think of his name. He ended up retiring. Um, oh, Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what they got in Kenneth Walker because um, they they were raving about him. But honestly, I think the Niners are going to take care of business this week. We're going to get back on track, and um, we're going to we're going to fix those those mistakes we were making last week. Yeah, they've got Brashad Penny, who's going to be, I'm sure, running back one. Kenneth Walker's been questionable. You're right; he's probably going to get a little bit of a spin in this game. Uh, they have some guys like Travis Homer as well. So they got a pretty eclectic running back group. Their run game is is interesting. They go with a lot of heavy sets, loaded sets, uh, which you can go check out over on Patreon if you have our Patreon. I did a breakdown of the Denver Broncos versus Seattle Seahawks game and a look at how the 49ers are going to attack them. So go check that out if you can. Uh, but yeah, I, th I think the running back room is interesting. I liked Kenneth Walker a lot coming out in the draft. Yeah. He's somebody that can do it all. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He's somebody that I think is a dynamic pick. They had a few of those, including Boy Moffey, mm -hmm. uh, who I think was a nice pickup. He's not going to get that much spin, but he'll be a part of the rotation. You know, and then they had some other guys as well. Uh, so I think it's they have an interesting team. And one thing that's interesting, Warren, is this matchup the 49ers are going to have to deal with. It's the 49ers secondary versus Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. And they've got some guys. I mean, they got TK Met, or DK Metcalf. I almost called him TK Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> DK Metcalf, uh, he, he's going to be a big-time force. He's been a problem for the 49ers for a long time. Uh, they just got a pretty good uh, wide receiver room, not to mention Tyler Lockett, Marquise Goodwin helping out as well, and then some pretty good tight ends because they got Noah Fant in the trade for Russell Wilson. And then, of course, they got Will Disley. Yeah. So, I mean, they're they're definitely talent in the wide receivers. I mean, DK Metcalf is a top five receiver in the league. 
Um, I'm not too worried about it, honestly. Like, if they had rest, I would be like, man, like, I'm worried. I'm legitly worried, you know, because Russ, he just, let's be honest, he knows how to beat the Niners. You know, Russ knows how to beat San Francisco. So, um, with Gino, I'm not too worried about it. I think we're going to get after him. Um, like I said, I think the guys are chomping at the bit this week. I think they're they're ready to get after it. And I think yeah. Gino, Gino's just going to be harassed all day. So, um, I think they'll make some plays. Um, I don't think this game, honestly, is going to be very close. Um, Ooh, I have little, yeah. uh, possible prediction <laughs> spoiler. Yeah, yeah, for a little bit later on. But I think the Niners are going to take care of business, to be honest. Um, uh, I, I mean, with Metcalf and Lockett, you know, they do get my respect. Um, but, I mean, when you got the D-line that we have, you know, and you – Gino, I mean, Gino's not Russell Wilson – I think they're going to get after him, and it's going to be it's going to be a long day for Geno. So, I got the Niners. Um, I got the Niners winning fairly easy. To be, ooh, I'm interested to see what that final <clears> score <throat> ends up being. Yeah, this this 49ers secondary held their own against Chicago. I mean, does Chicago have a DK Metcalf or a Tyler Lockett? No, they don't. But you know what? They have a bunch of Marquise Goodwin. They have Darnell Mooney. They have a lot of speed with Pringle as well. Speed was not a problem for the 49ers. Now, could it have been the weather? Could have been. But you know what? Sixty percent chance of rain in Santa Clara on Sunday. So the 49ers might that. be seeing rain again. That's crazy. Um, so if it slows down speed, it might slow them down. Now, DK Metcalf is not a guy that changes direction very fast. I think that goes well for Emmanuel Mosley and Tarverius Ward. Ward is built on handling players with physicality. So him lining up against DK Metcalf is a good situation for the 49ers. And I think Emmanuel Mosley wasn't even challenged against Chicago because no. he absolutely locked down the receivers. To me, this is the best cornerback room the 49ers have had for a little while. Let's see if they can... They can build on that, but we saw it at training camp. They competed every single day. I think the bigger question marks, and that's why I said 40 are secondary for this, is that safety room. Because if you get into some weird matchups, which Seattle will present, by the way, they go with formation and personnel, you could get some bad matchups with those tight ends, including Noah Fant, on some of our safeties. I think that's bad for Tashawn Gibson and also for Hufanga. We don't want them in man-up situations. We also don't want them covering them deep in zone. So down the seam is bad. But let's see how the 49ers go ahead and, and try to get after Geno Smith to eliminate the potential of those matchups hurting them. The other one is Sam Womack playing in the nickel corner spot against Tyler Lockett. Ooh. To me, that that's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to be a real test for Samuel Womack. Uh, Lockett can change direction. He's a very savage uh, savage and savvy veteran. Uh, <laughs> this guy's he, he could be scary. So I want to see how Womack matches up, how the 49ers scheme it up to – Try to keep some of the pressure off. And all the while, I think it would be smart for uh, D'Amico Ryans to protect his safeties and bring blitzes to make sure Geno Smith has to unload the football earlier than he would like. And then the 49ers corners can squat on some of these routes. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Geno can make – he can make those throws with pressure in his face. Yeah. Because I think pressure is going to be in his face all day. He's going to he's gonna have to make plays. Um, I, th- I, I fully expect the Niners to shut down the running game like they did last week. Um, I mean, they completely shut down the Bears in the running. It was non-existent, especially in the first half. Yeah. Um. So and, and nobody really in, in Seattle's backfield really scares me from a running back situ- uh, aspect. Like I said, I'll be interested to see what Kenny Walker does. But um, just looking at the names, I'm like, we should take care of the business uh, against the run. But um, Tyler Lockett definitely does put fear in me. I mean, the guy, is he's a playmaker, you know. he Especially on the deep ball, like he could – I mean, the guy gets behind safeties, gets behind corners. It seemed like when he had rest all the time, and Resto is one of the best beautiful uh, deep balls in the league. So, but rest is not there no more. Um, 
And like I said, I fully expect like Gino to be under pressure all game. So we'll see if he can make plays with uh, pressure in his face. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? We would normally say this is easy. The biggest concern against the Seahawks is Russell Wilson. Right. Uh, but he's not there. It's Gino. So what is the biggest concern that you have for the 49ers against the Seahawks on Sunday? I I think the biggest concern um is the receivers. I mean, it's DK Metcalf, like you like you're saying, and it's Tyler Lockett. Um, it's the tight ends. It's it's that group. That's gonna be that's gonna be the biggest threat. Because I mean, when you have you have explosive talent like that, it's 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 a problem. You know, you yeah. got you got to match up. Yeah, you got to match up. So, um, going into this game, that's that's probably problem uh, number numero uno. So we're gonna see how the secondary holds up against that. And when you don't have Jimmy Ward and you know, like you touched on, you have Hufanga, how we don't know how well he's going to do in coverage. Um, it could get scary, especially if the D-line is not getting pressure on, on Geno Smith. So um, the back, the back, the secondary is going to have to take take care of business. They're going to have to earn their money this week. Yeah, I'm going to flip it to the offensive side. And I think one of the biggest concerns is going to be Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams against these edge rushers because the edge rushers for Seattle fly upfield at a rapid pace. And when they're not flying upfield, they're jumping inside. They take a lot of chances. If you catch them in those chances, you have big play potential. If you don't, they have big play potential. So they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's. They're going to have to move very good. And they're going to have to understand what they're looking at because Seattle will blitz as well. That's going to put a lot of pressure on the interior offensive line for the 49ers. And with Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey having to worry about these quick edge rushers that can get upfield, that's going to create lanes for these blitzers to get home. So the interior offensive line is going to have to handle business. Brendel's going to have to have nice communication with Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks, because if not, they're going to blitz the 49ers straight out of you know, the game. And that's a difference from the Bears. The Bears didn't blitz at all. Not one single blitz against Trey Lance. This week, expect it to come. Expect the Sky's coverages and them to try to speed up his clock. That's just how Pete Carroll handles defense. That's how they're going to go about it. Well, that's my biggest concern is this offensive line against these edge rushers and blitz package of the Seattle Seahawks. Speaking of the offensive line, what what would you grade them against Chicago last week? I think they were middle of the middle of the road. I thought they did. I thought they had really good moments, and then I thought they had some oh wow rookie moments. Right. I thought that overall, that's what I expect from this young interior offensive line. I expect Mike McGlinchey as well to get beat for one sack a game, which is kind of what he does. I had a player as well that it didn't matter. He would block perfect the entire game and give up one sack every game. It was just the way it was. And for whatever reason, Mike McGlinchey does get beat at least once per game. Right. Trent Williams didn't have the best game, uh, but apparently he has some tells. They figured him out that when he was moving his foot uh, late into the snap, it was giving away that it was a pass. So Chicago was on it. Thank you so much to Chicago's edge rushers for going ahead and telling everyone. So now Trent Williams can fix that. That's interesting. But yeah, it's very interesting. And there's little tips that you could always find out. And these defenders figured one out for Trent Williams. That definitely hurt Trent Williams because then they know. Uh, so he doesn't have an advantage when he goes to set up. So he'll fix that. But overall, I thought the line played pretty good. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It's Kind of like middle of the road. And I think that they'll continue to get it better. And as we get five, six weeks, as long as they all stay healthy and play together, I think they're going to get better and better and kind of move up the chart as far as offensive lines in the league. Right. And the weather didn't help at all in Chicago. <laughs> no. and I, I hope I hope this Sunday is not another monsoon. It definitely won't be because it, it is California. It's not right. Chicago. Uh, it, it will not be that bad. Will it be rain? Yes. Will it be wet? Yes. Uh, but I think the 49ers will see it as, you know, we went through it last week. Now right. we're more prepared for how to handle rain. 
Uh, the sod of Levi's will be completely good because it oh, hasn't been man. played on this year. It looks really nice. I saw a picture of it, so it looks good. But I think the 49ers will be just fine. But, yeah, you never want elements to play a part into the game, especially some team from Seattle is going to be okay with the rain as well. I mean, that's what they get in the Pacific Northwest. Right. And the, the conditions is something I've never, ever seen before last week. Like, the puddles on the field, and I don't know if you've seen it before the game where they were actually squeegeeing water off the field, and it was – I've never seen that before. I've I've coached in that. Yeah, <laughs> That's I mean, madness. I, I coached in a game that was just like that. That second half, that fourth quarter, how it looked. Yeah. That's how it looked in the game for the entire second half. It was pretty ridiculous. Uh, I had one. I even had a game where I coached once before where there was a a play on the sideline and the guy slid all the way out and he was underneath everyone in a puddle and he was drowning and we had to go no rip everyone way. off and yeah get him out. He was literally underwater. So yeah, sometimes, uh, especially with the natural grass fields, you get like little puddles and stuff that get pretty deep. Right. And then all of a sudden you have guys yeah, that are underneath piles and stuff that, hey, they can't breathe. That's that. I've never heard of that before. But you would think like with the NFL field, they have some type of drainage system. They do. You yeah. know, but the, the, all the turf fields have drainage systems. All the grass fields have drainage systems. Right. Uh, and they're top of the line. But the field crews have a lot of work to do pregame. <laughs> Luckily, they'll keep it tarp the entire time. So if it rains throughout the game, the field will get worse and worse right. as the game moves on. That means you want to take advantage of winning. Anything you're going to do in the middle of the field, do it early. Because once you get to you know the third quarter, that middle of the field starts to get chewed up. Right, and the ball gets wet, the ball gets heavy. It's hard to throw. It's it's just hard to catch the ball. It's just it's not a situation. I, it was kind of ideal for football, but... Not ideal for throwing a ball. No, it, for a, for a run game, it's great. Absolutely. Right? Uh, hopefully, the Forty Yards can you know get their run game going, and they can just run people over. And now, Warren, it's that time you hinted at it before. Your <laughs> game prediction for this game. Now, on my preview show, I said the Forty ers are going to beat the Seattle Seahawks twenty three seventeen. It was hard for me to find all those points for Seattle, but I just think whenever you have a rivalry game, it can sometimes get close. So I'm going twenty three seventeen forty nine. So, I mean, is it too early to say this is a must win? I, I, I think it's too early, but a lot of people would argue if you go 0-2, it's harder to make playoffs. I think right. it's like 70% of teams make the playoffs if they're 0-2. 0-3, it gets really difficult. Right, right. Um, Like I said before, man, I think the guys are they're, – they're, they're excited to get back at it. Just like Trey Lance said in his, uh, his interview, like he made a lot of mistakes, but he's excited to get back to work, excited to get back uh, for Seattle this week. So – um, I have the Niners, like I said, getting back on track, um, taking care of business like we're supposed to. Russ Will Russell Wilson's gone. We're back at home. We're back in Levi's um home opener. I have the Niners. Um, I say I say we win twenty I got twenty eight thirteen. Ooh, Niners. okay. That's yeah. a nice victory. Yeah. I mean Vegas would somewhat agree. I know the line has been nine to ten points, like around there, so uh yeah, that that's a big victory. Twenty-eight to thirteen. I think everyone feels good about their 49ers after that. One and one headed into Denver. I think you're feeling good because you're tied for the NFC West lead if you get that victory. So I like that, Warren. I hope your score happens and my score doesn't, because I prefer the bigger win. I'm just I'm just hoping for a W. I mean, to open the season like that off a loss, it's just it's always tough. Like like a couple of years ago when we opened the season losing the um, I believe it was the Arizona. It came oh, down yeah, to the last drive. Yeah. yeah. So it's always tough to open the season with a, with a loss and, you know, all the fan bases is, is, is talking. Everybody is, feels like their team's going to the Super Bowl. So, and then to lose to the Bears of all teams. So 
Um, I think the Niners are going to come out and then uh, they're going to look like the Super Bowl team that we expect this week. Uh, that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see. I want to see them bounce back. I think they can do it as well. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a fun one for sure. Thank you all for watching this episode of Cover 2. Warren did a fantastic job. I, I really got a lot of insight from that. And also later today is going to be an episode of What's Good with Jay in the Bay. Check that out. He's going to be going over his five big things the 49ers must do to defeat the Chicago Bears. And then tomorrow, Saturday at 11 o'clock, watch the What's the Game Plan video where I get more into the X's and O's about how the 49ers are going to attack the Seattle Seahawks. After all my film breakdowns, after everything that happened going through it, that is the finality of it. And then, of course, <laughs> after the game, join me for the game reaction show. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to talk about the 49ers' hopeful win against the Seattle Seahawks, getting back to one and one. Join me for that. It's a lot of fun. So thanks, everyone, for watching. We really appreciate it. Uh, Warren, another great episode for us. We're just grinding these things out. Uh, yeah, we are, man. I hope uh, next week uh, we're back on after a W. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Next week, a lot <laughs> a lot more smiles and a lot more fun right. because we're talking about a lot of great performances. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll catch you guys on the next one. We're out. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.